subscribe to Tripod Talk Radio for conversations with veterinarians, oncologists, rehab therapists, and other experts discussing amputation for dogs and cats. Find more info, helpful care tips, and a free gift at tripods.com slash radio. Thank you for tuning in to Tripod Talk Radio, where we're spreading the word that it's better to hop on three legs than limp on four. Hosted by Jim and Renee and Wyatt Ray of the Tripod Blogs community at tripods.com, Jerry's place for canine amputees and their people. tuned in to Tripod Talk Radio. Today is Sunday, March 13th, 2011, and we have a special guest with us today. We're doing another Tripod's member profile, this time with Little Man Jake, a.k.a. Cynthia. Cynthia, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Wonderful, thanks. We also have with us, of course, Renee, who's going to speak with Cynthia about Isabel. Isabel's a 12-year-old boxer, shepherd, ridgeback type of mix, rescued about five years ago, right? Yeah, from Hurricane Katrina. So it's about almost five and a half years. A Katrina dog, and it was about just over six months ago when she had an amputation due to osteosarcoma, was it? Correct, um, August 24th. Wonderful. Let's see what Renee has to say. Hey, hey there. This is Renee, and um, how are you doing, Cynthia? Good. How are you, Renee? Hey, I'm I'm great here. Um got our, our time change uh, straightened out, and, and now uh, I, I guess it's uh, 6.30 over where you are. Um, right. Anyhow, we, let's, uh, let's talk a, a little bit about what Isabel uh, was like before she got diagnosed. What was a, a day in the life of, of Isabel like? Well, the last eight months of her life prior to her amputation weren't that great. She had, um, somewhere around January of last year, she had a little... She was jumping in a car that she shouldn't have been jumping in, and um, I noticed she was a little bit slow for a couple of days before that, and she cracked a little bit of cartilage in her back, and we found out she had really severe LS spine arthritis. So she had been in rehab and had good days and bad days, but just generally that year was a little bit rough for her. Prior to that, though, she was a really active dog. When she came from Hurricane Katrina, well, she wasn't really active when she came. She was a little bit chubby and just not in very good shape. But um, she was walking five miles a day at least. In the, in the morning, she would walk a mile to the beach and then walk about four or five miles on the beach, come back home. Um, she was involved in tracking, so she was out in the woods two or three times a week. She was a therapy dog. She did mm, probably two or three visits a week to various hospitals or centers for disabled adults. She was just extremely active. She was in fantastic shape prior to her arthritis. So She was a busy she, girl. She was a very busy girl. She was doing something all the time. So actually, after her amputation, she was almost in better shape than she was beforehand because that rear leg that she had amputated caused a lot of back pain for her. So it ended up being the ideal spot for the osteosarcoma. If yeah, if you if you got to get it, I guess, uh, and it helps you out that way, that's a good thing. 
Um, when you say she uh, she did all these activities, tell me a little bit about uh, where you guys live and, and what that environment is like. We live in Chicago. We, do, we live a little bit north of the Loop. Actually, we live near Wrigley Field, if anybody is familiar with the area. It's a pretty dense area. The winters are... The falls and winters are a little bit better than the summers. Baseball season is really rough around here because it's very, very crowded. So she was a very, very much a city dog. The problems in the city are there's just not a lot of grass for them to run around on. And as a tripod, that makes it much harder for her because the pavement is really rough, and which means a lot of short, small walks. And we live in a second-floor walk-up. So that means she had to be able to get down the stairs three or four times a day which she does fine, but she doesn't go up the stairs. I still carry her up the stairs. And that's more my choice than her inability. The problem with her going up the stairs is her back is very, very sensitive to that motion, and I don't want her to be immobilized for any reason, so I just carry her. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a lot of dog to carry up. <laughs> Two flights of yeah, stairs well, are amazing. I think if she weighed 10 more pounds, she'd be walking, but she refuses to walk <laughs> with any kind of a harness. Um, she refuses to walk with any kind of a sling. She just turns into a donkey, and she's just not going to do it. She will run up the stairs away from the harness or the sling, but <laughs> there's no way to get a tripod up the stairs. Yeah. So she's um, when we use our we use our back stairs all the time because our front stairs are um, hardwood and there's they're just way too slippery. But when she does walk, go into the front, because she's never been carried up those stairs, she will run up the stairs and fall three times. <laughs> um, tell, tell us uh, how you found out she was uh, going to be a tripod. What was uh, what was that situation like? Well, she you know she'd had the arthritis. She'd been going to therapy quite a bit. And I watched her really, really carefully all the time. She was... In fact, the Sunday beforehand, I remember her running. She walked probably further than she had walked in months. She was just finally turning a corner, feeling great. She was running around outside, had a great time. And on Tuesday of that week, I noticed she kind of was walking a little slower on the way home. And on Wednesday, she was really unwilling to put weight on her leg. And it was that fast. It was in a matter of 24 wow. hours. And by... Wednesday evening, she already had a palpable mass on her hock. Oh, my God. So, yeah, so the next morning, you know, she went in, had an x-ray, and it was pretty obvious. And she had just had that leg completely x-rayed, not even six weeks before that. So isn't that the rear leg amputee? She is, her left rear leg. Which, you know, in the, the broad scheme of things, if she had to have cancer in one leg, that's the only leg she would have been able to survive with the cancer in. Because if she had she had been not using that leg very well for about eight months, had really poor muscle mass in that leg, it lost almost all muscle mass, and would just favor it all the time because it put so much um, pressure. She had a nerve running from her back that was kind of entrapped there, and if she had to rely on that leg to get around, she wouldn't be able. She just would never be able to walk. Wow. Um, tell tell us a little bit about your medical experience and how that played into uh, making the decision to to amputate and and help Isabel through the recovery. What what is your background like? Well, I'm an advanced practice nurse, but I don't practice as one anymore because in the state of Illinois, you can only practice under one license. 
And when Isabel got sick, when her arthritis kicked in, um, it was much easier for me to just practice as a, a res- just a registered nurse because my schedule is much more flexible and I can make a lot more money doing that. So I just went back to regular nursing because I can be off all week and just work a couple of days a week and spend time with her. Um, I have a lot of experience in ICU, critical care, um, ER, and just a lot of patient care contact just in my private practice also. So I I just really didn't have a hard time making the decision to amputate her leg. I as soon as I saw what it was, I scheduled her an appointment with the surgeon and you know had her ultrasound that day. And I I was more anxious having to wait over the weekend than I was scheduling the amputation. So that part for me was very very easy. And I think also my decision to not go with chemo was very easy for me because it was something that it, it just wasn't for my dog. It just wasn't, I, I knew she wasn't going to handle it well. I just knew that it it just wasn't the lifestyle that I wanted her to have because I just really didn't know how much time we had. And I think you seem so sure about the decision not to do chemo, and, and I'm just wondering, I know a lot of people agonize over that. Um, how how did you come to that conclusion so quickly? You say you knew she wouldn't be able to handle it. Um, what did you mean by that? Well, from what, from the research that I've done is that it's a crapshoot with chemo. You know, some dog, it, 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 it's really dependent on, I think, the growth rate of the tumor. Some dogs have a, a, a faster growth rate. Some tumors have a slower growth rate, and there's really no good way to tell. And I just, Isabel is a dog that probably ate garbage for a good portion of her life. She can eat anything, but if she has to take so much, as, you know, one pill for anything, she gets nauseous and she vomits. And I just wasn't really willing to put her through. And she gets very, very anxious when that happens. She starts licking the floors, eating the rugs, just going absolutely crazy. And I really wasn't willing to put her through that for, I just, for me, the risk-benefit was just not there. I really, she's almost 13 years old. I really wanted her to have a very, very good quality of life. And she also has always seen a holistic vet, or a vet, an integrative vet. So she's never really, since I've had her, we've we've never really gone with a very traditional route. And I, you know, from my own practice, I don't always think chemo is the best idea for people. So it wasn't really a hard decision for me to make. I had thought about this in the past anyway. And I just mm-hmm. don't think, it just wasn't something I was willing to put her through. Uh-huh. Because I just don't, I, for me, and that's just that's a personal decision. That for me, I just chose to go with a, a holistic route. We noticed in in your very first post in the Tripods forums, you say she's taking multiple immune system supports, Artemix and Oxy, and you go on to talk about her acupuncture and massage therapy. Um, what supplements, if any, is Isabel still taking, and um, how are they doing? Do you believe? Um, she's not taking the Artemix anymore, and that's only because um, she that made her nauseous. It actually didn't make her nauseous. It gave her reflux. And it gave her reflux to the point where she has to have chiropractic adjustments to fix that now. And I, again, I, I just didn't think the risk-benefit was worth it. It was making her miserable every night, and I just decided it wasn't, you know, it just wasn't something. I didn't want her to spend every night not being able to sleep because she had reflux. So she's still taking high-dose fish oil. 
she takes high dose vitamin A five days a week, um, vitamin C. Uh, she does take Hoxie, but we've had a little problem because the Hoxie she tolerates the best um, comes from Canada, and there's some glitch in putting it into the United States right now. So she's taking some homeopathic Hoxie now. Um, what else does she take? Uh, Can you give our our listeners a a quick little background on Hoxie? Because I know we've had some questions about that. Yeah, I don't know that much about it, to tell you the truth. um, There's been some evidence in homeopathic medicine that Hoxie has an effect on osteosarcoma, a positive effect. And whether it does or not, I don't know. I know I kind of panicked when I couldn't get the formula she liked anymore because I thought it was the only thing I had to offer her. But she was off of it for about a month and a half, and I don't know. You know, whether it's really doing any good or not, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, she also takes some Appy Smell, which is a um, homeopathic, um, uh, sort of like a, a drug like Benadryl, but it's a homeopathic formulation, and that's for the histamine um, blockage because she had a mast cell tumor in January uh. and had that resected. So she's taking that every day. Um, she takes Sammy, and she takes milk thistle, mm-hmm. and I think that's about oh CoQ10. Forgot about that. And I how do you how do you uh, give her the the supplements uh, if she if she doesn't like taking medication? What what ways do you? She get, yeah, strangely she does. She doesn't get sick from the supplements, and she doesn't not like taking medication. She just gets nauseous from a lot of things. Oh, okay. So I just give her in a little bit of pumpkin. She just eats them. Yeah, she's mm-hmm. very good about that. I don't have – the only problem is that all the homeopathics, those have to be given like 10 minutes before and 10 minutes after a meal. So those are a little bit more difficult to give because she's always eating something. So it's kind of – and then her Sammy also has to be given not with food. So those are a little more difficult to give, and you know, some days, some days she doesn't get the Sammy, and some days she doesn't get the antihistamine. Just uh-huh. doesn't. Oh, I'm a little bit lax on some of those things right now. I, you know, I the the general vitamins and the fish oil and all of that she gets every day, but sometimes the homeopathics I I kind of skip on um, a couple of days, give her a few days rest because there is some theory in homeopathic medicine that if you give them the medication every day or the supplement every day, it's not as effective. Yeah, I have, I have actually heard that, that it's good to, to mix things up and and just kind of change the routine occasionally to, to keep yeah. the body on top of things. Um, yeah, and she takes Arnica too. Um, that's more for her arthritis, though, and uh-huh. Medicam. Is Arnica in a, in a pill or a how – do, how does she get it? It's a homeopathic also. Oh, because so I've only little. seen it in, in gel formulas. It's interesting. Yeah, it, there's a homeopathic form, so she takes the pellets. Okay. Um, now, what about her, her pain and, and how she deals with her arthritis and things like that? Can you tell us a little bit about her pain management protocol and, and in your in your experience, um, what how has that played into the decisions that you've made about uh, treating any pain that she experiences? Well, I... I'm very, very conservative regarding pain medication because I just, I think there's a a big tendency to just over-medicate our animals just sort of to placate ourselves. And I think that postoperatively, 
I think you have to expect a little bit of pain postoperatively. I don't think you can expect an animal to have no pain because a human wouldn't have no pain. And I also think that some of the pain that they experience postoperatively is just from sitting around. And just the positioning in the operating room for an amputation is not a comfortable position. So they're sitting for hours, and then they move from the OR table into a cage, and they sit for hours. And most of them don't really walk at the vet that night. Most of them are pretty immobile, or if they are, they're sort of drug out with a sling. And then they come home and they sit. So when... I had a very, very long discussion with the anesthesiologist um, prior to her surgery as to what medications they were going to use and what the pain management protocol was going to be. I don't like tramadol. It's a personal decision. I don't like it for people, and I just don't think it's a, a good choice for my dog. She's Why taken is that? It once. Well, I don't like the side effects of the drug, mm-hmm. and I don't like the withdrawal symptoms of the drug. And I think that animals have withdrawal symptoms just like people do. They just can't tell us. And withdrawal symptoms are very, very painful. Withdrawal from any narcotic or withdrawal from any opioid-dependent sort of drug is a very painful process. And I wasn't really willing to put her through that. And I just didn't think she was going to need it. Number one, she didn't have a huge blood supply to that leg before it was amputated. So I think that was probably to her advantage pain-wise. I had a long discussion with the anesthesiologist. What we decided was that she would get some Dormitor during the procedure, which was going to help her out in the first 24 hours. She did have a regional block. So probably the first night she had very little pain. And I think the regional block really did help her. And um, when you say regional had, block, do you what kind of drug is that? It's, a, it's actually a spinal um, anesthesia. So her leg okay. was blocked and or that whole area was blocked and numb. Um from, like, mid-back down. So she really didn't have any use of her other back leg the first night after surgery either because it was um, like a spinal anesthesia would be. So, and, and I think that was helpful to her because she was laying on her operative side the first night of surgery. Um, she also had an IV infusion of Dilaudid the first night after surgery and then got a fentanyl patch, and that was it for her pain medication. I took her off of everything post-operative day four. I put her back on her Medicam the morning after surgery when I brought her home, and I took the fentanyl patch off. I I think actually the morning of day five, I left it on that that one more night. But before we even got home, she went for acupuncture, and she had laser therapy on the way home from the surgeon. And then she had acupuncture every other day. So I also... Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, I also didn't let her sit around. From She mm-hmm. walked, you know, she walked from the car to the house. She walked around, and she was down the stairs in my apartment as soon as she got home. She had done that on her own. She chose to do that. And I took her for a walk within the first four hours that she was home. Because wow. I, I was I was much more concerned that her, you know, immobility is just not good for Isabel. And I was much more concerned that she was going to be really uncomfortable from her arthritis. And then that, in turn, was going to make her not want to walk on that back leg. Mm-hmm. So I, she went for two walks the night. I, I brought her home within, she was almost maybe 13 hours after surgery, I brought her home. And I just started taking her for walks, and we just kind of went about business as usual from that point. 
if she wanted to eat, she needed to come and get some food. If, you know, she was, within two hours, she was out sitting on the deck because that's where she wanted to go. So, So I was... I'm sorry, I was just looking at another post you wrote, and reflecting on things six months later, you say it's been a very emotional um, reaching this milestone and, and somewhat reaching this milestone unscathed. The entire journey with Isabel has been a series of crappy events over which, for some reason, the stars have all lined up. you care to elaborate a bit on that, what's happened um, and how it's been bittersweet? Well, I I think this just goes back to when she had her arthritis. I I think it's almost like that entire eight months was preparing her for this amputation because if she hadn't been going to rehab and if she hadn't built up those muscles in that other leg, And if she hadn't stopped using the leg that had the cancer, um, I just don't think she'd be where she was today. So that just all sort of worked out. Her amputation was super easy. Her recovery was amazingly easy. I mean, within within two days, she was kind of back to normal. Um, Yeah, I mean, we didn't go for a long walk, but she was was kind of back to, she was running down the stairs, just kind of back to normal. And... Things just sort of worked out. Even with this mast cell tumor, um, I knew the minute I saw it that it was a mast The minute it recurred, I knew it was a mast cell tumor. And the fact that she had such terrific muscle mass in that leg allowed them to do this huge resection. And, you know, they got clean borders. And hopefully, you know, she will outlive that. But um, she's just... She's really done very, very well with very little intervention since that time. She still goes to rehab three to four times a week. Even she had a little complication after the mast cell resection, being unable to walk on that leg for a little bit or just being unwilling to put pressure on it. She was having a lot of nerve pain. And then that just resolved itself, and she's running around again. I I feel really, really fortunate because I see how many issues other people have and how many setbacks they have. and. We've really, really had it pretty good. Isabel's a lucky dog to be going to rehab and massage and acupuncture and things. Can you explain what her rehab therapy entails? Yeah, she um, every Monday she has a massage. Um, we have a, there's an animal massage therapist who's actually trained in, in animal massage only um, in our area, and she she was having massages from her a long time ago even before she had her arthritis, and she does a great job. That helps her out with her arthritis tremendously. She has acupuncture every Tuesday, um, sometimes an additional session during the week if she's not feeling really good that week. Uh, She goes to underwater treadmill three times a week. So she walks for about 40 minutes in the underwater treadmill three times a week. And she's been doing that for well over a year now. She's been doing that since last January. And depending on what's going on with her, sometimes she gets cold laser therapy. She was getting that quite a bit on her scar, on on the resection. And she got that on her um, amputation scar pretty aggressively also. And she works with, I I have a fit pad, and she works with that. And I think that's, um, the, the walking in the treadmill is what just causes her to have such great muscle mass. And that's what keeps her mobile, because even if, her back is really sore. She can still walk in the treadmill. So with all of the therapy that, that she's doing, um, how is that helping her get around the city and 
and what's your life like now that um you know she's stronger and and things are good um what's what's a typical uh, afternoon like if you're if you're trying to be outside doing things with her uh, our life has changed a lot in that respect and and I think that's one thing that I think is really important for new parents to understand is that you just kind of have to mourn that old life and give it up because your dog's not going to walk five miles anymore. And you really, I, I missed it for a long time, and I kind of thought about it, and then I just thought, you know what, that is just not our life anymore. So she, we get up really early. I'm off almost all week, every week. I'm usually off Sundays through Friday. And so we get up really early, and um, Isabel's a great dog. She can wait 18 hours to go outside. So I usually <laughs> give her her medicam in the morning and then kind of puts around a little bit. And we finally go out probably about 8. She, When the weather is bad, we, she just goes out in the yard at that time and um, just out in a little patch that we have, and she'll just go to the bathroom and come back up. And she eats, and then we. I just sort of wait for it to get a little bit warmer outside because I, I do think the cold affects her arthritis. And then we go for a walk. And the first walk of the day is not a very long walk. She's not a very good morning dog. So we just... I. I walk her off leash because she's a very good dog to be walked off leash, and it's so much easier for her. You know, we when we used to walk, we used to walk. There was no sniffing, no eliminating, no anything. She just got exercise, and she just can't do that anymore. She can't walk on a leash anymore and walk. She has to kind of run a little bit and stop and sniff and, you know, walk and then run and play. And So we do that, and we just go up to the corner, and there's a, a very big church on the corner that really likes dogs, and they kind of maintain their lawn for the dogs in the neighborhood. So she goes up there and she plays a little bit, and then we have to come home because if she goes any further, she really can't walk home. It starts to really get to her because there's a lot of pavement, especially in the winter. The ground is very hard, and so the pavement's hard, the grass, you know, the, the parkways are hard, and there's just nowhere really for her to walk. So we, we repeat that a couple of times a day. Mm-hmm. And then she goes to rehab and gets stretched out, you know, when she gets in the treadmill, and then she feels great. Then when we get home from there, she can run about three blocks and come home. But it's getting you a little bit remember, easier. I'm, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, we have some members in the chat room at tripods.com slash chat, and Ted has asked, um, is any of this therapy covered under insurance? Oh, my goodness. Well, first of all, I don't have insurance for Isabel because um, she was she had heartworm and several other issues when she came from Hurricane Katrina, and she was over six years old. So it would have been cost prohibitive to get insurance, and everything would have been excluded. Um, I do know that there are um, people at our rehab center, and some of their rehab is reimbursed by insurance. Um, I don't know exactly what the rate is, and I think that the people who do have it reimbursed are dogs who've had, like, orthopedic repairs. So I imagine after an amputation there would be some reimbursement, but I don't, unfortunately, have any benefit like that. And it is, It can be very, very cost prohibitive for a lot of people. Because we're yeah, absolutely. Our, uh, it's yeah, good stuff, though, I um, we we only have a, a minute or two left. Um, can you uh, give us some tips that uh, city dwellers need to know about uh, what's it like having a, a tripod in the city? Maybe 
um, a couple of bullet points of your best advice for getting around? Yeah, I think the the biggest things are you really need to avoid the busy times of day when kids are going to school and there's commuters or there's baseball going on because um, it's really hard for these dogs to maneuver in and out. And a lot of times there's no parkways for them to be walking on and you're trying to walk on the same sidewalks that people are trying to get to work on and it's hard for everyone. So I think that was a big thing for us. Um, I think you have to, if if you live up in a walk-up, which I think a lot of people in the city do, you have to get some sort of footwear for the stairs. They don't need to wear it outside necessarily, but especially when they're feeling better, I have to put a leash on her the minute I open the door because she'll be down the stairs, and our stairs are winding. She'll be down the stairs. I don't think her back leg ever hits the stairs as she's running down. And I'm always afraid she's going to fall, so I always have to slow her down. Um, let me think what else. What, when walking on the pavement is the only option, you just have to keep your walks really short because they pay for it later. They're just really not mm-hmm. able to compensate for that. And the snow is huge. If your dog loves snow, get them out the first time it snows on dry ground because once that snow starts to melt and the slush mixes with the salt, they can't lift their paws up and they fall <laughs> when they're mm. the, when the salt is burning their paws. And I've had to carry her for that reason oh. because they use such, you know, horribly toxic salt that it just mixes with the slush and they step in it and they can't walk. And then mm-hmm. they, um, when the ice melts, it turns into this black ice underneath the snow and so I always go out before she does in the morning and make sure that there's no ice where she's going to be walking. Well, thankfully, uh, it looks like spring is, is on its way, and uh, maybe you shouldn't have to worry about that too much longer. But I, I think we're out of time now. And I just want to say thank you so much. This has been really interesting. Thank you. Until next time on Tripod Talk Radio, learn more about canine amputation recovery and find the best gear for three-legged dogs at tripods.com. Thank you for tuning in. Subscribe to Tripod Talk Radio for more pet amputation tips from experts. And claim your free gift just for listeners at downloads.tripods.com slash podcast.